Hey everyone, welcome to this week's sermon podcast of B Church. Here, you can listen to our latest weekly sermons for your spiritual growth. We believe that this message will really bless you. Right, amen. Come on, wave your hand at me. Are you excited to be here this morning? It's a new year. I'm excited for what is ahead of us. And I really have believed that the Holy Spirit has spoke something in my spirit, in my heart, that I want to share with you this morning. It's going to challenge you. Say amen. All right. I'm not going to stand here today and tell you how blessed you're going to be in 2024. No. <laughs> say amen. amen. Because you're already blessed. Amen. amen. The word says we are seated in heavenly places. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. When God created mankind, God blessed us. We are already blessed. So we're going to come to church in January, and we're excited because it's a new year, and we're going to stand here and hear the preacher preach how blessed you're going to be in this year. Amen. You're already blessed. The day you were born, amen, the word says God formed you. He knew about you. And the day you gave your heart to the Lord, you accessed this blessing. It's already on your life. So I need to challenge you to move and to walk in that. Amen. All right, first things first. I want to say a very welcome to Pastor Baldwin, Pastor Natasha who's watching online. They are still on holiday. Say amen. After a year of ministry, you need a good holiday with the family. So in their absence, we just want to honor them, say thank you for, for what they've been doing for us in this last year, over the last years. We really honor you. We thank you. Pastor Bulmar will be sharing the word next week, Sunday, and he's going to share some vision and, and what he feels in his heart. Holy Spirit is sharing with us as a church and where we're going as, as, as well as Pastor Natasha. So I'm not going to share with you vision this morning with regards to where we're going, because that's the job of the Father of the house. Amen. But I'm going to challenge you to latch on to what God is busy doing and what I believe in my spirit is going to take place in this year. Look at your neighbor. So are you excited? I see smiles all over. <laughs> Say, yes, I'm excited. All right, I'm going to share this morning from the book of Revelation, Revelation 10, a sermon which I've titled, Stay on Course. Stay on Course. I want you to strap your seatbelt. I'm going to move fast. And I really believe in my spirit is going to bless you. I do believe in my heart that this is going to be a year, amen, where we will see multiplication. What I heard in my spirit was quantum leaps, quantum growth from prison to palace. Overnight, God comes and there's going to be a prison and there's going to be a palace. Amen. But there's a reason for that. There's going to be a flood. There's going to be a cleansing. And I really believe in my heart that the Holy Spirit will look for those who have undivided hearts in this year. And even as the water accumulate and the dams accumulate, as we spoke this morning, it's going to be for a specific purpose. That which the enemy has stolen will be restored. But there's a reason why it has to be restored. And it has to affect something. God just doesn't restore it so that we can say, God restored it. Who knows that there's a purpose for a certain thing, a reason for existence. And when God restores something, it needs to serve a certain purpose. It needs to function in the way God ordained it to function in order for it to bring glory to God. So when I stand here and say, you're going to be blessed, you say, amen, amen. But you have to understand that the blessing that's upon your life and the accumulation that's taking place and the flood that's taking place and the rise that's taking place, the acceleration that's taking place is taking place so that his name can be glorified. Amen. 
there's a certain function we have to fulfill. And I love it, like you said this morning, we don't need motivation, amen? Because I can motivate you all day. But when you leave this church, you're going to be unmotivated. What we need is discipline. It's a spiritual principle. Discipline. We get to a certain place where we repeat things. There's a process. And God teaches us these principles. So this morning when we, when we work through Revelation, this is going to bless you. Are you ready? All right. So now that you know, don't expect me to say you're blessed. I already told you you're blessed. Amen. I'm not going to say this again. It's a year of multiplication. Amen. It's a year from prison to balance. I really believe God's going to do quantum leaps, quantum growth in our life. But there's a purpose, there's a reason, and we're going to look at it. So let's start in the book of Revelation, Revelation 10, 1 to 4. It says the following. It says, Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea, and set his left foot on the land, and called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, it was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. I want you to see this picture. This is John speaking. And the word says, there's an angel, and he places his one foot. Now, I want, you to, I want to illustrate this, guys. He's not at Belito at the coast, standing on the beach, and then dips his one foot in the water, and then he opens the scroll. The word says he puts his one foot on the sea, his one foot on the land, and he's standing in heavenly places. When God made you mankind, he said, I want you not to rule over people, but rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every living creature. Sky, air, sea. So this angel is coming, and the same thing represented, stands with his one foot on the land, one in the sea, representing the heavenly places, and John is about to write something down. But when they hear this roar, there's a sound that says, John, I don't want you to write this down. Seal it up. Okay, and then we're going to continue. It says, the seven thunders sounded. So I want to just refer to Psalm quickly. It says, the voice of the Lord thunders over mighty waters. It says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. It's majestic. It breaks the cedars of Lebanon. It, it strikes with flashing lightning. It shakes the deserts. And it twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. Seven times in the book of Psalms refers to the way God's voice is displayed in a certain way and the function thereof. And I believe this is what he's referred to in, in the book of Revelation when it speaks about the seven thunders and the voice that's about to happen. And it goes further, verse 5, and it says, And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven, what is in it, the earth, what is in it, the sea, what is in it, and there would be no more delay. But that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. We see a picture of an angel swearing by the one who lives forever. I mean, who knows that God, Jesus, the high priest, although not Jesus, we've spoken about that, is the one who remains and lives forever. And he swears by this and says, for there shall no more be a delay. Which means there's going to be a time 
when the seventh trumpet is going to be released. And when this is released, a judgment will come into the earth. It is sealed up at this point in time, but we're waiting. We have seen six trumpets. We're waiting for the seventh trumpet to blow. And when I read that, it made me anxious in the assembly when I, when I started just preparing my spirit for what is to come. Because if we look at the world and what is happening, we want to just say, God, blow the trumpet today. But we know he can't. And there's a reason why the trumpet hasn't blown yet. It's because of God's good nature. Even though people hate him, even though people speak against him, God wants as many people to be saved. Hence, the trumpet has not yet been released. But this tells me there's a certain function, a job you and I need to do in this time while we're waiting the release of this trumpet. And then that continues and it says, Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me a little scroll. And he said to me, take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. Who finds this fascinating? We see this angel with his one foot on on the sea, one foot on on the earth, representing a heavenly place. And, and, And it says, take the scroll in his hand, eat it. And then an instruction comes and says, when you eat this, notice that it will be bitter in your stomach, but it will be sweet in your mouth. And then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, many nations, languages, and kings. And the revelation here speaks about a bitter and a sweetness. And actually what it is saying is this, that the revelation is going to be bitter for those who has not yet accepted the Lord as, his, as, as their Savior when this trumpet blows. But John gets a taste of this, and he's technically recommissioned at that point to prophesy again. Because up until this point in Revelation 10, John only prophesied big picture events. But then when you go further in, in Revelation 11, you see, you see John prophesying in detail. You see certain things after he was recommissioned, after he ate the scroll and tasted the bitterness but also tasted the sweetness. Psalm 24 says this, the earth, I want you to hold on to the scripture. I mean, we're gonna jump to our, our main text for today, which is Luke, but I want you to understand the background of what we've just shared before we go into that story. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who knows that everything belongs to God? That he created this earth and the heavens and everything in it. And that he's going to come back to take it. Who knows that? It's what the word of God says. There's going to be a time. We're going to leave the setting there and then we're going to move. I want you to move with me. We're going straight into Luke 19. Luke 1, 9, Luke 19. It says, he entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. So let me explain to you something. He was a chief tax collector, and people felt about him the same way you feel about Sash. Say amen. It's like this guy. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> they feel 
the same way about him like you feel on a monthly basis, like we all feel. And we see the story about a chief, he was just like a normal tax collector, guys. He was a chief tax collector. I did my articles in, in Eskom. I can say that in church, can I say that? Amen. <laughs> um, I did my articles in Eskom a few years ago, and they still had certain positions, says chief safety officer. Chief, there's a reason for this. Biblical, 17th century. All the way back. He's a chief tax collector, and then the Bible says this explicitly, he was rich which means he was also annoying to the people. It's not like he was similar to them. He was rich and he stole their money. Okay. So how it worked, let's continue. I'm going to share it now. It says this. And he was seeking to who Jesus was, verse 3, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. I want you just to picture the scene of what's happening here. This chief tax collector is looking for someone by the name Jesus, the Messiah. He gets to this place among those people who doesn't like him. Understand this. In, 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 the, in this century, as a Jew, when you were a tax collector, you physically took the money from the people in Jerusalem, you plugged it out of the temple system and you plugged it into the Roman system. So he, he technically collected taxes on behalf of Caesar. Now, it's bad enough if we pay taxes in South Africa and we're, our roads are not looking the way they should. But we're going to be more angry when they take our taxes and pay everything to Zimbabwe and Mozambique. Because that means the roads are never going to be fixed, I mean, because there's no money to fix it. And this is what he represented to them. They called him a sinner because they believed that as a chief tax collector, he stole from his God. He wasn't supposed to take money out of the temple, out of their system, and place it into the Roman system. So people hated him, period. And this guy comes in, and he's looking for someone by the name of Jesus that he heard about. And the word says that he jumps up into a sycamore tree because he needs to see Jesus. He was short in stature. I mean, that's just... Just think about this guy. He's rich, steals your money, and he's this big. It should be annoying, amen? But he's looking for Jesus. And the word says he gets into a tree. And when he's in that tree, he's recognized by Jesus. Jesus speaks to him and says, Zacchaeus, come down here, for I need to stay in your house tonight. And you can just imagine what the people said. This is what they said. Verse 6. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone into the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if, you, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house. Since he also is a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. And that's going to be our key verse for today. See, something's happen something happens in this story. When Zacchaeus comes down from the tree 
and he meets with Jesus when there's an encounter, there's now a change, a shift in identity, a shift in mindset from sinner to son. Because the word says he is also a son of Abraham. And something happened in his heart. He could have just said, Jesus, that's going to be perfectly cool. We can roll to my house and you can just sleep there. I would love that, spend some time with you. And it would have been perfect. But he chose not to. The word says he received him joyfully. And then immediately you can see a change in his heart. Lord, I'm going to give away. Can you see the shift? I'm going to give away half of what I own. And, I've, and if I've done any, wrong to anyone, I will restore it four times. There's an encounter that's taking place with Jesus, the King of Kings, and something changes in his heart. And this is the, this is the Lord's response. Today, salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Are you ready? When we started the service, I said, I'm not going to tell you how blessed you are, because you're already blessed. And I told you it's going to be a year of multiplication, and flood, and quantum leaps, and growing. But there's a certain reason why these things happen. There's a reason why God restores things to us. See, often at times, we want to change our behavior so that we feel accepted in God's presence, and then we ask God to change our hearts. We want to fix ourselves when there's no one in a certain absurd way, then come to church and feel holy so that God can touch our hearts. But in the story, a sinner who was looking for Jesus encountered him, and in that encounter, his heart changed. And because his heart changed, his behavior changed. So it's supposed to be the other way around. We don't change our behavior and then change our hearts. We change our hearts when we encounter Jesus and then our behavior changes by default. And when I read this and, and prepared for this year, it started stirring my spirit. Because oftentimes we're so caught up in all the blessings and all these things that we want to achieve. And, and I want you to hear my heart this morning. The Bible schools and this and that and everything, the mantles and the words and whatever it is, all the revelations. But we forget that there's an instruction. It says salvation has come to this house today for he came to save and seek the lost. And if we accumulate all these things, but they don't contribute to getting the lost into the church, if they don't contribute to helping people encounter Jesus, then what are we doing it for? We often expect people outside to change their behavior. Look at that one. Look at this one. We come to church and we preach, and I'm not fighting, I want you to hear my heart. We come to church, we spend time in the Word of God, but then four years down the line, we're still gossiping about the same people we gossiped about four years ago. Six years down the line, we're still saying the same thing, doing the same stuff. And I love that. I love that when we have a different worship team on, the Holy Spirit still flows. Whether we're in a tent or in a building, reality is the Holy Spirit is here. God is here. And we should dream bigger, bigger houses, bigger buildings, bigger churches, because we need to create a space where people can encounter Jesus so that their hearts can change. 
and their behavior can change. And this is my word for you this morning, that we will be a church in 2024 that creates a space where people can come and encounter Jesus the same way Zacchaeus encountered Jesus. So that before the seventh trumpet blows, amen? We've been in church for six years and we haven't led anyone to the Lord in the last five. The only thing we speak about is Bible college. Hello. Are you with me this morning? And I believe in my heart that this is going to be a year where God is going to bring in the masses as a result of the multiplication. As a result of what God is going to restore, there's going to be an increase. We have to plant another B church. In fact, we have to plant 15. We have to start 25 ministries in this church. Why? So that the lost can come in and encounter Jesus that there can be a change before the trumpet blows. Because it says, there shall be no more delay. There's going to be a time, guys. And I have family and you have family that are going to be in trouble when that trumpet blows. And then I'm standing here worrying about a master. No, I'm kidding. I want you to hear my heart this morning. There's a space and a place in this year where I believe God will come and use the church as he ordained it. Amen. So that his kingdom can advance. How do we advance his kingdom? The word says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Whoever possesses the gate possesses the city. How do we get them in? We have to take them through the gate. We have a responsibility. And now I'm preaching to the safe this morning. This is my heart, guys, that we will get to a place where we will create an atmosphere, whether it's your cell group, whether it's your business, whether it's church, whether it's the church you still have to plant, that people will come and encounter Jesus for who he is, not for what those say around you, not for what people think of you, but they will encounter Jesus so that their hearts can change and then their behavior can change. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to jump into Matthew 11, 11. I'm going to share this with you quickly. I want to explain to you something about what we possess when we enter this place called the kingdom. It says this, Truly I say to you, among those born of a woman, I've shared this with you before, but I want you just to, to understand this morning what's happening. Truly I say to you, among those born of a woman, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So the word says that John is greater than the Pharisees. Have you read that scripture before? But then it says the one who is least in the kingdom is greater than John. Do you want to give your brother the best gift ever? Take a little card and write there, you are greater than John the Baptist. Put it in a box and give it to him and say, give your life to the Lord. Because when you get saved, the word says, he who is least in the kingdom is greater than John. The best gift you can give anyone is bring them to church so they can encounter Jesus and get saved. That's the best you can give them. Not a building, not 70 million rand, not cars, not nice worship, not who sings what song. And No, you want to give them a gift, bring them to church and help them encounter Jesus so their life can change forever. It's as simple as that. And it says those who are least in the kingdom, they will be greater than John. And there's a reason for that. The word says in John 1, 1, if we can go there quickly, 1 John John 1, sorry. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, we've said this. The Greek word for the word beginning is the word archai. The word archai in Greek literally means principality. 
So it says, in the principality was the word. Who is the head of all principalities? Jesus. He's the head. We are the body. So it says, in Jesus was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then this word was made flesh among us. And then this word, this principality, encountered Zacchaeus in the tree and said, today salvation has come to your house. In Jesus was the word. And this word that was made flesh encountered a person who changed his life forever. There's a reason why we, the least in the kingdom, are greater than John. It's because John couldn't be born again. He couldn't be born again. When you give your life to Jesus, you go forward in time and you move to what they call the ancient time, the time before time, the time before Genesis 1-1. Because when the veil was torn, it was torn between Genesis 1-1 and what took place before Genesis 1-1. That's why we say the ancient of days. Have you heard that song before? He is the ancient of days. That's why they couldn't access that place. But when we are born again, we access that place and then we go forward in time and we share our birthday with Jesus. And because He's the head and we're the body, we carry an authority now. There's a certain authority that you carry when you give your life to Jesus. Do you know that? Whatever is older holds authority. That's why Jesus was born from the beginning, before Genesis 1-1. That's why the word says he's the head of all principalities. If we can just get that scripture on quickly. Acts 19:15. It says, But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize. I want you to, I want you to catch what's taking place here. But the evil spirit answered, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? When we stay subject to time, demon spirits hold position over us. If you are not saved, if you don't access that place where you share your birthday with Jesus preeminence and moves back into that place before Genesis 1-1, he's the head, we the body, then spirits won't move. That's why I'd responded and said, Jesus, I know and follow now, but who are you? They don't recognize you because there's no authority. But when we give the world, guys, this gift, this gift of encountering Jesus so that their lives can change forever, so that they can access this system called the kingdom, there's an authority that comes with it. Amen. And that was my heart for us in 2024. I'm not saying, guys, hear my heart. Do not be so focused on all the blessings. Be focused. Stay on course. Know that there's going to come a time where that seventh thumbprint will blow and judgment will come to the earth. And it's going to be late for certain people. But we have a responsibility and also the ability to change that. We have to be a church. Be church. Be a people that creates an environment for people to meet the Savior. So they can also go with us. 
So whatever you do this year, whether you plant 15 businesses, which some will do, whether we plant five more churches, whatever you do, make sure that it aligns with what the word says. Make sure that God's kingdom is advanced so that the lost can be saved. Because if we're going to hold church for five years and no one gets saved, guys, we might as well close the, the place down and just go, love, listen, lies. I want you to hear this. If you're growing and maturing in God, but we're not bringing people in, what's the point? We have a responsibility. And that's my prayer and my heart for us in this year, that we will get to that place where people will encounter Jesus and be changed forever because we are the church and we represent Christ and we represent him well. Amen. Before we take up an offering, I'm going to close with this scripture, Luke 16, 11 and 12. It says, if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? And when the word of God speaks about true riches, it speaks about substance. It says, if you are not righteous with unmammon, then God cannot entrust to you true riches. True riches by definition is not money. True riches, according to the word of God, is the ability to raise the dead, to heal the sick, peace in your home, peace in your children's heart, peace in your mind. That is true riches. But we have to get to a place where we can faithfully steward, which is unrighteous, so that God can entrust to us true riches, which says to me, there's a responsibility in carrying this anointing. There's a responsibility in carrying this presence. The reason we fail to do so is because the word says that the, the people have placed the creation above the creator. When you're a people's pleaser, you place the creation above the creator. We have to get to a place in 2024 where we place God, the creator, above the creation and understand God's order. Amen. Because I believe that God will really look for undivided hearts in this year and God will, bring, God will restore order in church, in business, in families. There will be a restore of order. But we have to understand that we have a responsibility to steward so that God can entrust to us the true riches, that which we need in, to be able to create space for those to meet Jesus. Amen. You have to keep your face in the word, your heart in the heavenly places, and your hands on the plow. Amen. It's as simple as that. Keep your face in the word, keep your heart pure, keep it righteous, and keep your hands on the plow, and God will do the rest. But know when that restoration comes, and when that acceleration comes in this year, that it should be not for you to boast, but for God to be glorified so that people can meet the King of Kings, just like you and I met him two, three, four, five, ten, twenty years ago, and it changed our lives. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to know more about who we are and what we do, go visit our website at bchurch.co.za. We're formed to function. Let's be church.